All right. Well, um, this morning we're, we're launching into a, a new year in a lot of ways. And very specifically as a church, um, we're going to go through a discipleship process this year. And, you know, I'm sitting up here during the prayer and realizing like, that was sort of the sermon. The trajectory of generations is changed because my parents said yes to Jesus. And they didn't say yes to him in some casual, half-hearted, American cultural Christianity way. They said yes to Jesus. They gave their life to him. And that happened with Amy's mom as well. They've given their lives to Jesus and, and let him shape and mold and change. And they passed those things on to their children. And, and now here we are with our oldest, a couple generations removed from that, heading off into whatever the Lord has for us. She goes to, to reach others. Like that's a picture of what we're talking about. And so this morning, I want to take a few minutes and kind of, kind of lay a foundation for what we're going to do together this year as a church family. I'll, I'll finish the sermon with a few practical details. Um, but, but being a disciple of Jesus doesn't just mean I'm going to be committed to studying my Bible, pray a little bit more and take good notes. Like so much of discipleship in our American culture has just turned into, I get a bunch of information, I write it down, maybe even I memorize it really good, the end. Be, being a disciple of Jesus means he, he touches my life, he changes my life, he transforms my life. And as he is changing me, for some mysterious reason, he wants to use me to impact other people's lives too. And so the world is touched as people say yes to him. And so that's the vision of discipleship, that God would change my life and I would participate with him to touch the lives of other people. So let's pray and just invite him to speak to us a little bit as we, we dive into this this morning, but as we dive into this going into the year ahead. And so Jesus, we just invite you one more time to come and, and be with us. We know that you're here and present in this room, but would you be our guide? Jesus, this was your plan. You touched a lot of lives. You preached to a lot of people. You came and died and rose again, but your strategy for your good news, the life that is available in you, your strategy for that to be shared and to spread and to grow was by intentionally pouring into the lives of a few who would go and do likewise. And so Jesus, we are here because you discipled people who discipled people who discipled people who discipled people who discipled people. God, would you equip us to do that? Lord, if, if, we're, if we already are in process, great. Lord, show us where we are and how we can continue forward. God, if this is new territory for us, open, our, open our, our eyes to this, open our minds and our lives to this process, Lord, to grow individually and to partner with you to share your life with others. God, if we're seasoned veterans of the faith, Lord, would you give us aim and focus for what this looks like right now in our lives? Who are you calling us to share your life with right here, right now in this season of our life? God, we commit our hearts to you this morning. 
Teach us, guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'll talk a bit more at the end about the details, but there's, there's a specific book we're gonna utilize this year just as a resource, as a tool. Um, and, and I'll address it as we go. It's called A Discipleship Journey. Um, our dear friend, one of the key mentors in my life, Pastor Dave Buring, um, put this book together 20 years ago, 18 years ago. Um, I've gone through it multiple times and, and known him. He's walked with me and poured into my life. I've been deeply impacted by him. He will join us in February in a few weeks and come and preach on a Sunday morning as well. We're excited to have him do that. But we're using his book as a backdrop. But I just wanna say, and, and he would say this if he was here, this isn't about learning someone else's material. The, in fact, the reason I'm drawn to this particular book is all it does is point us to God's word and to his spirit operating in our lives. And so I wanna give some definition this morning. When we talk about discipleship, number one, what we're talking about is transformational discipleship. Transformational discipleship. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter four. I'm gonna read verses uh, 14 through 20. I actually think it says 22 on the screen. Well, the screen's not working anyway, so never mind. Um, you know what? Turn in your Bibles. I'm gonna have to slow down a little bit this morning. Turn in your Bibles. In fact, do two things for me. Turn to Matthew chapter four and then hold your place there because we're gonna be there a little bit. But mostly this morning, we'll be in Matthew chapter 16. So if you wanna turn to Matthew chapter 16 and hold your place, we're gonna start reading in Matthew chapter four. I'm reading from the ESV. Here we go. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus' message is that the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. It means it's, it's here. Okay, there, I'm not gonna do a whole message on the kingdom this morning. There is an extent that until Jesus returns, the kingdom is yet to come in its fullness. But God's kingdom is present and Jesus came preaching, the kingdom is at hand, it's available. So repent, change your aim. And guys, at the simplest level, the kingdom of God is just simply wherever he's in charge. And so I get to choose to say, God, be in charge of my life, be king in my life. And now this life becomes a part of your kingdom where what the king wants happens, right? That's the kingdom. The person in charge decides what's up. <laughs> so Jesus, come be king in my life. Come be king in my home. Come be king in my relationships, places where I have influence and a voice. And so Jesus came saying, repent, because this, this is a shift. God, I'm gonna shift from being the king of my own life to letting you be the king. And so repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 18, while walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. In Jesus' very, his starting point into ministry, he communicates so much of what he's come to do and the invitation to people to be his disciples. And so he, it's this simple statement, right? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 
It's so important when, when we use certain words or phrases that we know what we mean by those things. It's easy to say living life together. It's easy to say we wanna be intentional in our relationships or we use words like disciple, I'm gonna be a disciple. But if we don't know what we mean by those things, then, then it, it doesn't, it's, there's no clarity, there's no focus, and we might all mean different things. And so, the, like the phrase relational discipleship gets used a lot in our culture. But here's, here's what we mean by that here at Grace Chapel and what I believe Jesus means by that as stated right here at the launch of his ministry. Discipleship means someone who is following Jesus. He said, come follow me. And that act of following him demands some change. Those guys immediately left their nets and followed him. He didn't say, show up at the synagogue once a week for a little Bible study with me. And I'm gonna teach you some things. Come follow me. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus with their life. Now we'll unpack this more as we go, but but it's someone who follows Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So a disciple of Jesus is not only someone who's following him in relationship, it's someone who's changing. Discipleship involves change. Not just change of information that I've gathered, my life changes. My focus changes. The things that matter change. My, my behavior catches up. <laughs> along the way, my character is shaped. And so I'm changed. Follow me and I will make you, and guys, this is crucial. I will make you fishers of men. You're gonna come participate in my mission. I, I feel like a big place where the American church has struggled over the years is that we've spent a lot of time on the first two things as it relates to discipleship, encouraging people to follow Jesus, make a decision for him and encouraging people to grow and change and mature. But we never build into it going and making disciples. But Jesus' original invitation involved passing on what you've received. And, and he circles back at the end of this three and a half years with them and he says, you go therefore and make Disciples, not converts, not weekly Sunday morning attenders. Go and make disciples. It's what Jesus did with his life and it's what he encouraged his disciples to go do. And so the, the process we wanna be a part of this year is learning how to follow Jesus, allowing him to change our lives and being on mission with him. And guys, we're all at various levels in that journey. Maybe we're already cooperating in all three of those. Great. My prayer is that this will just further strengthen and equip us for that. For some of us, we might be going, man, I'm, I'm pretty early on. I'm just kind of baby steps starting to follow him. There, there's a lot of growth that needs to happen. Great. That's what he wants to do in your life. For many of us, maybe we're sitting there going, man, I've spent a lot of time following him and he's changed me a lot. But I don't know that I can identify where I'm pouring into other people's lives. And he wants, to, he wants to open up our eyes to that and hear his invitation to step into that. And so this is where we're going. So that's, what a, that's a definition of a disciple. Someone who follows Jesus is in the process of being changed by Jesus, which is a lifelong journey. We've not arrived 
Anyone that knows me well knows I have not arrived, right? I'm following Jesus. I'm being changed by Jesus and I'm on mission with him. He's using my life to touch the lives of others. So that, that is transformational discipleship, a life that is changed and transformed. So kind of point number two that goes along with this then, how, do, how does transformation happen? All right, if I'm following him and he wants to change me and he wants me to impact other people's lives, how does that happen? It happens by revelation, not information. I wanna say that again. It happens by revelation, not information. If it happened by information, then the Pharisees would have been right on track. They knew all the stuff. They had all the information. In fact, if they were paying attention, they even knew that the time was ripe for the Messiah to show up. If they knew their Bible, like Daniel kind of let you know, he's coming like on this day. It's a whole other thing, but Daniel 9 has an awesome prophecy that points to the day Jesus rode in on the donkey on Palm Sunday. It's incredible. They knew the time was ripe. They had all the information. They missed who he was. They didn't have revelation. And so revelation is the process of change. So let's pick this up now in Matthew 16. So the disciples have been following Jesus for a while now. And he begins to have a conversation with him. He starts the conversation by saying, who do do people say that I am? What do people think about me? All these people that are hearing me, they're seeing the miracles. Um, What are people saying about who I am? And so there's all this mystery. People have different definitions. Maybe he's John the Baptist come back to life. Maybe he's Elijah of old. Like people aren't really sure what to make of Jesus. But then the thing that really matters, the question that really matters, Jesus asks. And in Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Makes it tangible, specific, personal. And I love this. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now look at Jesus' response to that. Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Friends, the thing that initiates transformation is God revealing himself to us, him revealing truth, him revealing things we need to be honest about in our own lives. Like some of us may have stopped in our growth journey with the Lord simply because God revealed something and then I didn't follow through with it. Maybe it was gonna require some repentance, some change. It was gonna stretch me a little bit. I stopped right there. But he loves us enough to reveal himself, to reveal truth to us. See, they had been with Jesus, they'd been following him and Peter's eyes were opened to the truth of who Jesus is. And that revelation changed him. Look what Jesus says next, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. This is is the moment where he goes from Simon to Peter. You are Peter, means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Simon's name is changed to Peter. It signifies the change that's happening in him personally. And I love this. Peter's identity as the rock, it's rooted in Jesus. Our true identity is rooted in him. Peter becomes small r rock because he's rooted upon Jesus, capital R rock, the rock, the firm foundation, the cornerstone. Peter's very identity is established in Jesus Christ. And so this revelation of who God is, it touches him, it changes who he is. Like when the Bible uses name changes, it signifies much more than just, I got a cool nickname for you. It's tied to character. It's tied to your identity. And so the process of transformation is something God initiates by revealing himself. Friends, as as we go through this year and we're studying and we're learning and we're growing, if we just approach this as accumulating information, we're missing it. I, I would rather one moment of revelation this year where God captures my heart, captures my attention than a year of just accumulating a lot of head knowledge. Information isn't bad. We need truth. We need capital T truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. That that word know means more than just knowing it up here. It's the word the Bible uses for intimacy. I am well acquainted with the truth. I'm intimate with the truth. It touches me at a deep level. And so revelation is what starts the process of transformation. God reveals. So I would encourage you guys this year along the way, and even beyond this year, in your life, when you're growing in your walk with Jesus, it's like, okay, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm with you. Help me to see you for who you really are. Who are you? What are you like? And then as I'm journeying with him and I have this revelation of who he is, God, would you help me to see me? Maybe to be willing to have some honest conversation about parts of me I'd rather ignore. But God would, like, you love me. You see me as I am and you take me as I am. You love me enough not to leave me there, but you take me as I am. But also God, let let me see who you're calling me to be. What's my identity in you? And so he reveals, he speaks truth, he speaks life. Watch for that, invite that. God, reveal yourself to me. Reveal what you want me to see, what you want me to hear. Third thing this morning, this process of transformation, it starts with revelation from God. Now we move to our response. The engine of change is our obedience. It's our obedience. We, we cooperate with what he has revealed. Matthew 16, 19, next verse. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I think it's fair to say that we would all love to see some dramatic change happen in this world. We might all disagree on what that change should look like, but you ask pretty much any given person in our society they're pretty sure some things ought to change. 
<laughs> there doesn't seem to be a lot, of, a lot of folks going, I love things exactly the way they are right now. Isn't it great? Isn't this a great time to be alive? Don't you just love where everything is headed in our country? Isn't it wonderful? We're, we're, pretty, we're pretty much on the same page that we'd like to see some things change, maybe even dramatically. Well, Jesus is talking about change. There's some things that need to stop. <laughs> there's some things that, that need to end. And there's some new things that need to be released, that need to begin. But see, this process of change, it starts with us. We all want change, but change is costly. It's costly and it starts with me. And see, when, when I sit, because I do this, I've probably had this conversation with some of you guys. I can sit in one evening and we can solve like all the problems. I've, I've solved them like five times in the last two years, just over a few conversations. It's great. But you know, a conversation doesn't cost much. But the work of change is difficult and it's costly. And it's really easy for me to go, well, here's what should change there. And here's what should change there. And here's what should change there. Cool. Have you gone through the process of growth and change in your life? And if so, have you experienced the pain and difficulty along the way like I have? Because I'm stubborn. <laughs> I thought for sure there would be an amen from like this section right here. <laughs> I'm stubborn. I'm slow to change. It's hard. And then even when I find like, okay, I'm ready. It's like I, I associate with Paul when he's like, I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I'd like to do. It's like my flesh gets in the way. It's a, it's a slog. It's difficult. It is, it is difficult, but it's not complicated. I want to say that again. It is difficult, but it's not complicated. If, if we truly want to change. And if we truly want to see change, we want to, we want to experience transformational discipleship, right? Why would I commit myself to this? Because I need to change and grow. Why would I pour into the lives of other people? Because it'll be really healthy for them to change and grow. We want to see the world impacted. We want to see his kingdom come and set some things loose that would be really exciting. See love poured out, grace extended, the presence and power of God show up in our communities and change lives, wouldn't that be something? See the, the shackles of guilt and shame and addiction and bondage that rips us off, that destroys individuals and homes. Want to see some of that stuff bound up and shut down? Wouldn't that be awesome? Cool. God wants to start with me. He wants to start with you. He wants to start with us. It's difficult, but it's not complicated. It really boils down to this. It's two things we've already read. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He called his disciples and said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. When we invite God to reveal what he wants to reveal, our response involves repentance and or obedience. That's how we grow. For some of us, there, there are things, maybe you even already know it, but if not, there are some things that God will want to say, he'll want to reveal that will require some change in our lives. It'll re require some repentance. The beauty of the grace of Jesus is that he's all about fresh starts. He's all about redeeming. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
He's not gonna reveal things to shame us or guilt us or condemn us, but the Holy Spirit convicts so we can grow, so we can receive mercy in our time of need, so we can receive grace to head in a new direction, to experience new freedom, to be released from thought patterns that have a hold, to be released from, from addictions that have a hold. And so there are times this year where if we just say, God, I want you to do what you wanna do in me. I want you to grow me. And he reveals something. If it's something that requires a change, repent, confess, receive forgiveness and receive grace to go in a new direction, to step into the new thing. So repent. But see, a lot of times when we talk about change in the church, we just talk about letting go of old habits and patterns and behaviors. And that is certainly a part of it. But what's so exciting about life with Jesus is there's all kinds of new stuff he wants us to step into. Being a Christian isn't about all the things we're not supposed to do. It's about the beautiful life that is available to us in Christ. There's things that he has for us that he wants us to step into. And so for some of us, God's gonna reveal some things and it's not about repenting of something you've been doing wrong. It's about stepping into something that's right. It's not just about saying no to that. It's saying yes to this. And so there, there may be all kinds of things he wants to invite us into this year. And see, if, if discipleship is just, I tell you guys what we're all gonna do, then you're just following my idea and plan and then let's go make that little mini kingdom happen. No, 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 this is about his kingdom and his purposes. And there might be some things that he wants both Nick and I to do, but there also very well may be some things he's gonna say to Nick where Nick steps into a direction that's different than me because we're different people. Being disciples of Jesus isn't about us all looking exactly the same. We're gonna look like him. We're gonna reflect his glory, but he made us different for a reason. And so who, who you uniquely are, God wants to use you where he's placed you with the relationships that you have, the neighbors that you have, the children that you have, the spouse that you have, the coworkers that you have. He's uniquely placed you there. And so he does the revealing and then we obey, we repent or we step into something he's calling us to. We say yes. Now here's, here's the beauty of God. Like I, I said, the, the, the engine of transformation, it's obedience, but here's the good news. The fuel in that engine is the spirit of God. We use the word grace a lot. It means things like unmerited favor. But, but the, the grace of God is his empowering presence in our lives. That's his grace. And so when he reveals stuff to me, I have a level of participation to say yes to some things or no to some things. But here's how, here's how my obedience works. Jesus, help. God, help me step into that. Empower me to do what I can't do on my own. If we turn our discipleship journey into just trying to force our flesh forward, then I have to maintain it and keep it going. Nope, it's his spirit that pours in that fuel that keeps me chugging along. I live by the spirit, not the flesh. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? 
Flesh has not revealed this to you. Peter, you didn't make this happen on your own. God did. God revealed it to you. Now, if you're familiar with the story, I actually, I actually love that this comes immediately after this. So here's Peter, new identity, saying yes to Jesus, being transformed. He's aware of who he is. This is exciting stuff, right? What happens next? Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes to be killed and on the third day to be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Look how quickly Peter is confronted by the process of change. It is, it is exciting to sit in a room and hold our Bible and be with another group of people and go, man, what a cool journey we can be on this year. We can walk with Jesus. We can grow together. Isn't that exciting? It is. And he didn't give up on Peter and he didn't throw Peter off the team. But he was real with him. The process of change is gonna be difficult. Verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. The bad news is change is costly. The good news is the reward is priceless. Verse 25 and 26, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? God is interested in transforming and changing lives with the truth that he calls good news, the good news of Jesus. Friends, there will be times along the way where it's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be challenging, it's gonna be hard. It's costly to commit ourselves to the process of following Christ this way, but it's, it's worth it. The reward is priceless. It's priceless. You know, most of my life, I'm just kind of head down doing the next thing, right? Working hard, being a dad, being a pastor, being a husband, doing the stuff. But like every now and then, I'll just find myself stepping back and going, God, what? Like, how cool is this? Like, it's easy to see all the challenges in life and the difficulties in life. But like just yesterday, my daughter was starting kindergarten. And I was the PE teacher and we're just driving to school together. And now she's decided she wants to go on mission with you. She sacrificed her time to make space in her life to go beyond. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, that's priceless. It's priceless. I want to wrap up with this quote from Rich Viotis. He's a pastor in Queens, New York, and he has this to say about transformation. God is committed to our transformation 
He's not in the business of simply improving our lives. He wants to infuse them with his life. Every day, he moves towards us in love, reaching, seeking, and pleading with us to pay attention. God loves us enough and is committed to us enough that he wants to transform and change us. This is about saying, God, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna open my eyes to see what you want me to see. And I'm gonna commit myself to being changed by you. I'm gonna need your help with that big time. But I wanna say yes to you. I wanna repent where I need to repent. I wanna obey where I need to obey. And God, I'm entrusting that you, you can change and mold and transform me. See, that's the beautiful thing. He does the revealing and he does the transforming. We say yes and let him do his work. Let him have his way. That's where we're headed this year. All right. Let me get practical for just a minute. Y'all got five minutes for me to get practical on some details this year? So listen, here's the deal. I, you know, I don't know where everybody's at, what you, what you wanna do this year. At the very least, we're gonna use this book as a guide, a discipleship journey. There's 12 key chapters in this book. And we're gonna, we're gonna use this book to dive into the scripture and teach through these 12 topics. And so if nothing else on Sunday mornings, we're gonna preach through that, okay? And if that's, that's the extent of, of your involvement right now, great. I realize some of us may even be doing other things, right? You've already committed to, I'm doing this thing this year where I'm investing my time and energy into that. I get that, all right? So it's not required to be here at church to do all this stuff, but there is an invitation. I would encourage you to step into this. This is why we came here to be about relational discipleship. We wanna to touch Knoxville because we're growing and we're changing individually and we are discipling people in Knoxville, all right? That's why we're here. So I would encourage you to ju jump into this. So here's how this will work in three parts, okay? Number one, personal study time. So you can grab a book today. We are happy to give it to you if that's needed. This isn't about making money from it. We don't, it's at cost and they did a huge discount for us. But for 30 bucks, you can get a book and you can get all of the videos that go with it. And I'll talk about those in a second. So we are starting this this week. And so here's how this process will work. During the week, on your own, at your own time, at your own pace, if, if you really dive into it, it's about an hour, hour and a half of your time. You can do that in one long setting. You can spread it out over the week, however you wanna do it. For each of the 12 chapters, there's four weeks worth of study. So there's lessons one, two, three, and four, and then we'll go to the next topic. So starting this week, we're on knowing God and we'll spend four weeks on knowing God. So during the week, I would encourage you, pray before you start, listen as you're digging in, and then I'd pray afterwards. God, what did you reveal? What did you say? How can I apply that? Is there a step of obedience I should take? Be prayerful. Study the book, right? Take notes, answer the questions. But I, I highly encourage you when you sit down, you should not just have this. You should have this because it's gonna point you to scripture over and over and over again. And when it does, go read it, go dig into it. If it, if it talks about David, go read those passages about David's life and say, God, would you reveal yourself to me through your living word? 
what do you want to say? And so have those together. So pray and study during the week on your own. Okay, then teaching, that's the second part. There's some teaching to supplement what you're doing. So Pastor Dave and a few other people that are on his team, um, they've created these little 10 to 15 minute videos that kind of kick off each week. So there's one for each week. So if you get a book, when you register for that, you're giving us your email. And on Monday mornings at 5 a.m., an email is gonna hit your inbox and it's gonna remind you what you're studying that week. Chapter one, lesson one, here's the pages. And then there's gonna be a video link in your email, it's 10 minutes. And it just kind of kicks off that topic for the week. And so you can use those. I'd encourage you to do them. And so you watch the video, you do your study through the week. And then on Sundays, we will preach on the material that was studied during the week. By the way, this, this is how I just do general study in my life. When I'm preparing a sermon, I read some commentaries, I do some stuff. I always do it after I've been in the word first. God, what are you saying in your word? Then I can supplement with what are some other people's perspectives. And so we'll do some teaching on Sundays that builds off of what you've been studying during the week, okay? So that's where teaching kind of, it can book in. It can introduce where you're going with those short videos. On Sundays, we'll do a deep dive, maybe on a part of what you were studying that week. And then the third piece, and this is so key, guys, discipleship is always meant to be in community. And so our life groups are gonna be going through this stuff together. And so on life groups, you will discuss the previous week. So whatever y'all are studying this week and then the sermon's on next Sunday, that following week, life groups will discuss all of that. And the conversation is ultimately gonna be centered around what God reveal? What's he saying? Is there something he's asking you to do with that? Did something just pop up on the screen? Hey, it works. <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> so funny. Um, and so we'll have dialogue about that. You know, was there something in the sermon that God was speaking to you? Is something in your personal study time? What's, what's the Lord saying? And we will encourage each other along the way. So I would encourage you to do all of that. Jump into a life group if you're not already in one. Grab a book if you want to participate in that. But let's, let's give ourselves to the process of growth and discipleship in Jesus this year. Does that sound good? Yeah? All right, so if you've already signed up online and haven't gotten a book, stop at the table out there and get one. Um, Amy will be out there helping if you need some help. Um, If you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. Go grab a book, get started this week. I'm excited to see what God does in our midst this year. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, God, that you are committed to us. God, that you faithfully pour your life into us. Lord, we say up front, we need you. God, if we're gonna follow you and be changed by you, if we're gonna be on mission with you to see other people's lives touched, God, we can't do that apart from you and we don't want to. And so Holy Spirit, would you empower us and would you guide us? Father, we wanna see you and know you more and better all the time. Jesus, we wanna walk with you and live lives yielded to you that you be our king and our guide. Lord, would you help us grow as disciples? And God, would you inspire us and equip us to pour into the lives of other people? God, if fear has held us back in that area of pouring into others, or if we feel like we're uncertain, we're not not sure what we even do, God, would you equip us and empower us 
to share your kingdom with a world that is in need big time. God, we love you and we commit our hearts to you in this. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, awesome. All right, love you guys. Have an awesome week, jump into this. And if, if you have questions along the way, ask them. There's actually a little page that, that we've been creating behind the scenes that'll go live this week on our website. And so it's got a little bit of information on there, but one of the things that's on there is a spot just to submit questions. And so if it's not something that's getting addressed when you're in your life group or whatever, you can submit questions that way. Um, and even if you're just having practical trouble, if you're not getting the email or something, talk to us and we'll see. Have some of you guys experienced like our emails go into your junk box? I've heard from two or three people recently about that. Okay, typically what you need to do is go into the settings in your email and find, find us, find one of those old emails and mark it as like a safe, like I want those emails to hit my inbox. But if you have trouble with that process, let us know. We'll try to help you troubleshoot that. Um, we wanna make sure you're getting what you need, so... Love you guys. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.